Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. And we tend to like to do that in the spaces of comedy, of sports, of books, of pastoral life, of testimonies, music, and the like. And uh, today, I am really excited. For those people who know me, especially back when I was a kid growing up, all throughout the 80s, starting in 1980, and it's continued on really throughout, but definitely in the 80s, I was a hardcore Louisville Cardinal basketball fan. So I'm from the state of Tennessee, love the Tennessee Vols, like Vanderbilt a lot. But in the 80s, there was this guy named Daryl Griffith, also known as Dr. Duncanstein, who really helped me fall in love with the Louisville Cardinals. Went in 1980 to see them, try to see them play at Market Square Arena as they played the UCLA Bruins for the national championship, and they won. And uh, just carried out my love for them throughout the 80s. And during that time, there was a guy for the Louisville Cardinals named Billy Thompson. And uh, lots we can say about him. Billy, I'm going to just welcome you first, and then we're going to get into a few tidbits about you. So, Billy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, great to be here, Jeff, and looking forward to it, man. So I'm going to just throw a bunch of things at you, compiling some information I've gotten. So I do this thing called the Gathering of the Miami Valley. We had a breakfast recently, and then a couple days before ours, you spoke at the Gathering of West Palm Beach and shared with the men there. So talk to me about your experience over the years with Bob Schumann, now with Dennis DeMorris, and you just spoke at a Gathering Breakfast, which is very familiar to people in my world. Yeah, Again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Coach Shu and the Gathering and um, Dennis uh, DeMarios, who's executive uh, president now, um, they do a great job there. Every, you know, twice a year they have a guest come in, uh, whether movie star, celebrity, um, celebrity in the business world. And that has, you know, just a love for God. And they had me in probably about, eight years ago. So they brought me back in and the room was packed. Guys really came out excited to uh, just be a part, not just to, to hear me, but just to fellowship, just to come together mm -hmm. and, and just gather as men and really build each other up. But it was a great time. They do a great, great job there. They they, they have guys just coming in um, more and more. Um, they probably had about 50 guys join um, some part of what they're doing after that last um, breakfast we had. So they had about 30, 40 people give their lives to the Lord. I mean, it was a great, great meeting and a great presence. And God really did some great things. So in that, you're close enough to the action there that you pastor a church. How far are you from where they are in West Palm? About 30 minutes. Okay. So do people in that yeah. world know you more as, obviously it's in Florida, the Miami Heat player? Do they know you as this college great from Louisville? Do they know you as a pastor? How do the men down there know you? They know me as the Miami Heat player, yeah, the Laker player. And they, some of them know I'm in ministry, yeah. Yeah. 
That's super cool. Yeah, so I, I mentioned to you, I went on YouTube and typed in your name last night and wanted to see what popped up. And one of the first things that pops up is a game you had when you played with the Heat, uh, when you played uh, Golden State with Run TMC, Hardaway, and Mitch Richmond, and Mullins, <laughs> and those guys. And you lit it up. You were like 30 points, I think 16 rebounds, <laughs> I think five steals, three assists. And you had an incredible game. And it was like a little highlight reel out there of you. Do you remember that game? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I remember it, and I couldn't believe it. I said, I used to do those things. <laughs> I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you call Steph Curry up and see if you guys can relive some of that and you go against his Golden State Warriors now? I know, I know. I could probably go for about five minutes, though. Thank God I could still, you know, dunk the ball here and there. Well, there's probably some NBA fans who would say five minutes is long enough for you to go after Draymond Green, right? Oh, man, I tell you, I need to grab him by his neck, right? Grab him. <laughs> He I is, mean, that he wouldn't last a few games during the times we were playing. He wouldn't have made it that far. He would have got his his bell clocked. He would have got knocked out. Okay, so in your Heat and your Laker teams, who who's the first person on each of those teams that would have cleaned Draymond's clock? I mean, the whole league at that time, you don't you don't just keep doing that stuff. You may mess up one time, a few times, and there was guys that would start stuff, but you you're getting hit and and you know, but Kurt Rambis, we called him Superman. Everybody knows Kurt. Yeah. Um, he would have been the first one. Michael Cooper would have been on him, Byron. How quickly those Pistons games have gone for him to get taken down real quick? <laughs> I mean, it would have been as soon as he did anything. I mean, <laughs> all play would stop. The rest would have to come over. Yep. And because we let each other know, hey, man, you can't do that. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. So I want to get this out of the gate because I don't want to forget this. Here's a stat this is on Wikipedia, so I think we could I think we could trust Wikipedia here. This blew my mind. So you were one of only four players ever, still true today, I think, to have an NCAA championship and an NBA championship back to back seasons. Of course, anybody that hears that knows right away, okay, Magic Johnson's one of those guys. But then also the great just recently passed away, Bill Russell and Henry Bibby, mm -hmm. who to some people he's known maybe more as Mike Bibby's dad, but that's a crazy right. stat. Yeah, it's a blessing, man, right? To go from college championship at Louisville right to the NBA. It was it was such a blessing to be in that number, yeah. Not a lot of guys get that opportunity to do that, right? As we see. So when you see that, I mean, that's obviously been some time since that yeah. happened. I mean, how often do you think about something like that? Because that is a pretty big deal. There's only four of you who can say that. Do you think about it often? Or is it like this is the first time you've thought about it in five or ten years? You know, Jeff, I, I really never really thought about it much until people brought it up to me. But I tell you the truth, more and more that's staying in my mind because for some reason I'm I'm doing a lot more speaking, doing a lot of things now. And people are re remembering that, bringing that back to my remembrance. And, you know, just what an accomplishment that was and, and how God has done so many great things in my life through basketball. Sure. And um, the stories that I can tell, it's its just a blessing to the Lord, man. It's, and God is using that now sure. like never before. And I'm enjoying it, man. Wow. So when I mentioned to you that I was a huge fan of those 80s Louisville Cardinals teams, I, you know, I saw you guys. Of course, a lot of people remember that 86 team is never nervous purpose because he just popped in out of nowhere. And you guys, yeah. when that, it was what, you guys, LSU, Duke, and who was the fourth team? Was Duke, it Virginia? Carolina. Was Carolina yeah. in that year, that year in 86? We we actually beat them before we played um, LSU. Okay. So I'm not sure who played. Yeah. Uh, who, they, who played the yeah, other Duke side. Duke beat who somebody. Duke played, I forgot. 
But when you think of those teams, so back in the 80s, you got Daryl Griffith particularly. I was a huge right. fan of Rodney McRae. Rodney and Scooter McRae had some great games. Right. Houston, five slam a jam in the Final Four. Your era. What what was that like to be in a decade of just great teams? And I'm sure guys are coming back yeah. when you're in school. And you probably went back a little yeah. bit after that. What What is that like? We're actually um, having a, a celebration for that team that went to the Final Four with Rod and Scoot, that 82 team, 82-83. They just sent out the email for that, and we've never had that. So a lot of things have changed at the University of Louisville since Kenny Payne got the head coaching job. So Kenny's really trying to gather all the former UofL players and, at all different um years and bring us all back together so that's one of the things that is about to happen so i just got the email on that so yeah that was great playing with rod and scoot number one because they were just great um, high school players out in new york mount vernon um brother tan you know tan tangent you know these two guys working together um all the way from high school louisville and then nba both of them but um yeah it was great to be in the in the dunk off, right? We call it the dunk fest, spy slammer jammer, yeah. final four. And um it was a it was a shame that we missed it. We missed it, right? We missed the championship by getting dunked out. We didn't get knocked out, we got dunked out. <laughs> <laughs> but was there just was there an aura and a culture thing there that like, you know, obviously on campus, I'm sure, but just in the city of Louisville, I mean, how special was that to be a part of that like in the eighties? It was special because in 82, we won the high school championship. I was the number one basketball player in America coming out. And I followed my teammate, Milt Wagner, to Louisville. And so we had already, we had a mindset, a culture at Camden High of champions, um, a championship mentality. Um, our coaches in the hall, high school hall of fame, Coach Clarence Turner of Camden High School. So when Milt went, um, we went, he went to a team that just won the national championship in the 80s with Dal Griffith, as you mentioned earlier. And and Milt followed that right into that climate, that culture of winning. And so I followed Milt and joined right in. And as you said, it was another level. When I got there that summer, um, we would play pickup in the summer at, in a practice gym, Crawford gym. And I remember one play where the ball hit the back of the rim and it just took off in the air, you know, like, like normal. And But one thing happened that I never saw before. All the guys around me, not, all the guys that were at Louisville, not as rookies, but the guys that were there, um, they took off and I was still on the floor. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'd never seen that. And here I'm the number one player in America. And, and I'm like, whoa, I got to adjust my game. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happened, you don't have to tell me twice. Um, my wife has to tell me some things twice, <laughs> but <laughs> you didn't have to tell me twice on the court. And so the next time that ball hit the back of the rim man jeff i was gone man probably more earlier than others and started getting the rebound pulling mm. it in but that was the type of culture it was a next next level culture from high school and yet it was a a professional level because of the 80 championship the mindset of a champion to be able to play at that level and not just play but be successful and win the national championship um these guys had it in their in their jeans, Rodney and Scoop. Sure. And Derek Smith. They led yeah. the way. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about yeah. Derek Smith. Yeah. yeah. And I'm curious, especially being a guy who walks with Jesus, and I know this guy does as well. I'm trying to remember where he was compared to you. Junior Bridgman. Do you keep up with Oh you? yeah. Tell me about Junior Bridgman. Yeah, man. Yeah, Junior, you, great man of God. I remember when I first came there also, he had a summer camp 
and for some somehow I was there. I was sent over there and and got to meet him and helped him out in his summer camp there. And um, but he's um like a billionaire. He's a great businessman. Um, but he loves the Lord. We're in touch. I call him now and then. He donates to the Billy Thompson, my foundation, the Billy Thompson Foundation. He helps me out there. Wow. But a great, great soul, man, great spirit, great man of God. He loves the Lord. He's got a good spirit. So yeah. So one of my best friends and a pastor I know in Louisville, both uh, well, the, the friend of mine knows of him and he's an entrepreneur and he's got a business that's done fairly well, not like Junior has, but he really, what he knows yeah. that Junior has great respect. This pastor friend of mine led the largest church in Louisville, one of the biggest in the U.S., Southeast Christian Church, and he's gotten to know Junior. Yeah. And I love this story. I don't know if you've ever heard this. So Junior, I've heard the story. He... Uh, he comes out of the NBA, I think when he finished his career, maybe with the Bucks, and right. he opens like a Wendy's, and he thinks, yeah. well, okay, I've got money, and I played in NBA, and you just open up a restaurant, and it's going to do fine. Well, he found out real quick, that's not how it works. And okay. he ramped up his game big time and said, okay, i got to figure the restaurant industry out, not just be a former NBA player who comes back to Louisville and is going to open up this one restaurant and it's going to do what it does. But the stories I've heard about him and how he's grown, culture, developed, the business, I forgot what all he's into now, but yeah, I've heard stories about how he was just a quick learner and didn't rest on his laurels and think, well, yeah, I played NBA. People are just going to come to my store. doesn't work like that. It doesn't, and he was that type of guy, really put the work in. Yeah. Were there many uh, people from, you know, over the years for you, college, basketball, Israel, high school basketball, whatever, are there many guys going back to then till now who are walking with Jesus and you've seen testimonies and God working in players beyond Junior Bridgman? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. When I rededicated my life at the University of Louisville, summer of 85, um, that whole summer, man, I was walking around campus, you know, you know, telling the guys, hey, I've been changed. You know, there's one incident where the guy that was a party guy came up to me on campus and said, hey, Bill, you know, going out this weekend, this is what's happening, this and that. Let's do it and all this. And I looked at him and I said, man, I, I can't go. I, I'm not going to do that. You know, he said, why? We're going party. I said, because I've changed. And he said, you changed? And I said, yeah, I changed. I don't do that anymore, man. And he kept talking and then he looked at me. He stopped and looked in my eyes and I looked at him and I said, I've changed, man. I gave my life to the Lord. And he looked and he said, man, you really have changed. And when he looked in my eyes, he saw the light. You know, the Bible says your eyes are the windows to your soul. Mm. And he saw that I really meant what I said. And a lot of those guys, man, I was going around saying, Jesus loves you and stuff like that. And those guys thought I was a little, you know, funny. There's like, man, Billy didn't turn soft or something. What's mm -hmm. going on with him, man? Is, is he still liking girls? And I mean, literally, they were like, what's going on with him? But many of those guys turned around today. They are serving the Lord. Some of them called me throughout the years when they did rededicate their mm -hmm. life or, or just give their lives to the Lord. Say, hey, man, just, you know, I'm saved now. I gave my life to the Lord or I'm going to a church. And I mean, there's no better feeling, Jeff, than um, hearing somebody say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord because you you witnessed to him, you prayed for him, you know, you sowed that seed. And so, yeah, a lot of the guys are, are believers now. 
that so, weren't then. So you kind of got, we were going to talk about your testimony. You kind of got into that a little bit. Give, give us a few spiritual highlights, you know, maybe at various points in your life where you just look back. I mean, you know, like Mark Batterson, the author, pastor, I'm a big fan of his content. He, he talks a lot about having these kind of benchmark, you know, earmarked hallmark moments where you can look back and really know where God was doing something. What are a few moments like that over the course of your life, Billy, where, and maybe even something more recent where you're like, yeah, I really grew, fell more in love with Jesus. And here was a moment when God did something significant. I mean, my my testimony started, we grew up Episcopalian, so we're in church every Sunday, but that was it, nothing during the week. But um, I was 14, went to a basketball camp in D.C., and wound up giving my life to the Lord. They had a guy come in and speak about the Lord, and I don't know, I just felt I had to do it. You know, I was like, I want that, you know, that Jesus in my life, that salvation, that knowing that relationship. And this was 14. So I gave my life to the Lord then, but I strayed back away. And when I got to Louisville, the story I just told you, I was out partying, drinking, having sex, doing, you know, messing around. And I came in one night about 2.30 a.m. in my dorm, and I heard a voice say, if you keep doing this, you're going to die. And I was like, die? I'm like, I'm not doing anything now. I just left the party, so keep doing it. I'm going to go to sleep. No, he said, you're going to die, and you're going to die tonight. Mm. And I said, what? And so I literally got on my knees right then and gave my life to the Lord, rededicated my life, and um, that's when I, I turned to be with the Lord. But God spoke to me, I believe. And so that led me to give my life to the Lord and changed my life, my, the, the trajectory of my life, just as far as the things of God, being a proponent of it. I began to go around Louisville, Indiana area, Kentucky, Indiana, speaking at schools, speaking at uh, basketball teams, different things, events, um, with my witness. And I never stopped. I never kept, you know, hid my voice. I wasn't ashamed of the Lord, as he said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. And so I, these types of scriptures stuck. And that pushed me to really speak about my faith in the open. When I got to the Lakers, one big event was um, the first playoff game against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I was in the game and I and I said, listen, I'm going to steal this ball. He's about to pass it. I know he's going to do it. I'm going to steal it. So I, I, he threw it. I stole it. I ran down to go dunk it. And the guy that the pass was meant for, um, Mo Martin, he ran me down and knocked me out of the air when I went to go dunk from behind. I had no idea he was going to do that. And as a result, I hurt my knee to the point where I couldn't get up. I Later, I had to have surgery. And I was out for the rest of the playoffs all summer. Uh, working out rehab twice a day, five days a week, all summer. The next season, I tried to play. I couldn't play the next season, that, 80, that 88 championship season. And then Jerry West came to me and said, listen, we got to let you go, Billy, because, you know, we, we need that spot. We tried, we, we waited for you because they, they loved me. Jerry West loved me. Um, he said, he said at one point you could trade, I can trade some other players, but I, I don't want to get rid of Billy. And so he said, I got to let you go. I said, no problem. I understand. So that was that, but I, I was hurt, man. I thought my career was over. I was going to become a Muslim. I began to think about talking with Kareem, you know, because I had talked to him before, but I was like, man, I'm going to become a Muslim because I went to people, pastors and different people to pray for me for my healing. And I never got healed. Mm. 
Mm. I still couldn't jump. It was my left leg, my left knee. I had to have arthroscopic surgery, all that, but it was my left knee and it never got better. And I was saying, you know, pray for me, oil, pray to prayer, apply oil and pray the prayer of faith so that you may be healed. Everything scripture said, I was doing that and I didn't get healed. And so one day I came into my condo and said, look, you know, I was just upset. I was getting ready to become a Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I came in my condo and I heard a voice again say, whatever you do, do not forsake the name of Jesus. Mm. Man, I kind of, I kind of, you know, just wept and I, and I just said, yes, Lord, I'm not going to do it. But then I was like, man, this is heavy. This is tough, Lord. But yeah, I'm not going to do it. So I didn't do it. And two weeks later, I get a phone call from the Miami Heat saying, hey, you got picked as the first pick in the NBA expansion draft with Miami Heat and Orlando Magic. And that was out of all the teams Miami Heat could have chosen a player from, they picked me. But the big thing was I was still hurt, Jeff. That was a miracle. Why? I'm still hurt and you're picking me. So I got to Miami and got with a different trainer there a young guy who was doing some different things, techniques that I never did in LA. And one day I remember sitting on the table there in his rehab center and he had me do some things. And I, and I said, yo, I said, Hey, this, this is different. I said, I feel something. Literally. I said, I feel something. I said, something's different with my leg. And I got off the table and I started bending and then jumping. I said, man, this feels good this feels good. And I was like, that was it. From then on, I was able to start jumping again and not a hundred percent, but um, I was able to jump to the point where I could enter the dunk contest and, and still had some hops. So that was a big moment. Those, those moments, salvation at Louisville, rededication, and then that experience of being hurt and um, God coming in. And, and because I remained faithful through the pain, it was hard, but God still came through. Yeah. I want to stay in this for a moment, but let me make a quick detour. So NBA dunk contest, I'd forgotten about that. I saw that last night that you were in it. Is that like looking back, something's like a big deal? Or is it like, eh, I did it. But I mean, you know, today the dunk contest is maybe not what it once was. But it's yeah. got to be cool You say to say you were in the dunk contest. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they're like, oh, really? Yeah. And right then they know I was a leaper, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's nothing big today. You know, like you said, a lot of the stars, the guys we won in the dunk contest don't get in it like Matt, like um, Jordan and Dominique and these guys back then. The best jumpers was in it, right? Mm -hmm. Vince Carter, man. Ooh. Remember yeah. Vince when he in the Olympics, oh, yeah. he jumped over that 6'11 six, six, guy and yeah. dunked on him? Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing that drives me nuts about it now is I hate that they do that timer thing and you can miss dunks and it's okay. I'm like, a guy can go up there like three times and not get it and then he gets off on some dunk versus the guy who just does it right the first time. I'm like, we got to figure that thing out. And yeah, we've lost some of the yeah. names. And of course, I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in Springfield, Ohio, close to UD territory. Yeah. So we had Obi Toppin in, last, I think it was last year, Obi Toppin was in. Um, so we, we got a little love for us that way in my neck of the woods. But uh, so you were in Israel nice. yeah. and you had a great part of your career in Israel. Like, how did the Lord show up and what what did he really do in your life while you were in Israel? Oh, man. I mean, he used me again as a witness, which was most of my life. Um, what happened was I took off after the 91 season with the Miami Heat, my last year with the Heat. I felt Lord, the Lord was calling me into ministry. So I, I, I went to what happened was 
I felt the Lord was calling me in the ministry. A church in Boca Raton asked me to come and do a basketball camp at their summer Christian get getaway. And so I did the camp. And after I did the camp, they were like, man, listen, we're doing a missions trip. We really enjoyed you at the camp. Can you come and go do the mission trip with our kids? Love to have you. So I got my wife. We went, flew over to the islands and Bahamas and did some missions work over there and at some orphanages they were working with. And when we came back, we were driving home back down to Miami from Boca Raton, where, you know, this church was. And um, we said to ourselves, listen, we could um, we could live here and drive down to, you know, Miami. And so we literally meant that it was so nice. We're like, man, Boca is nice. So two weeks later, our pastor calls us into the office and says, listen, God put on my heart to send you out to start a church. How does Boca sound and so we looked at each other like wow you know god is definitely speaking so we said yeah we'll do it so we said we'll do that and so prior to that you know we knew we were going to call to ministries from that incident but um i went on staff one year and then the lord i felt wanted me to finish playing some basketball so i called my agent i said listen i think the lord wants me to still play some ball and I know I'm in ministry, but I'm going to come back to ministry when I'm done playing. So he calls me back and he says, there's a team in Israel up in the Galil, up in the north, near the Sea of Galilee that wants you. And I said to him, I said, man, Galil, I said, Israel, I said, do they really play basketball over there? I didn't even know they play ball. So he's like, yeah, man. So I said, no, don't even no, Keep looking. So he calls me back um, three days later, says, listen, there's a team in Tel Aviv. And I'm like, Tel Aviv, Israel? He's like, yeah. And then he says, Milt Wagner's there. Mm. And I'm like, really? That's my teammate from high school, played at Louisville, won championships. Then he came to the Lakers, by the way, yeah. and we won a championship there. And now he's in Tel Aviv. So I'm like, wow, that's interesting, crazy. But still, look, I'm not that interested <laughs> this time. I could have played with Milt again, but I said no. So he called me back the next day and says, there's a team in Israel down in Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem. So when he said Jerusalem, I said, wow, I no longer thought basketball. I thought the Holy Land. Right. And when I told my wife, she's like, wow, that's interesting. Wow. The Holy Land, Jerusalem, everything changed inside of us. And so we said yes. And we went off to uh, Jerusalem to play for Hypole Yerushalayim. And that was a team that was picked to finish in like 12th place out of 14 teams. We finished in second place halfway through the season. And it was a, it was crazy. All the, the the people were excited. It was crazy what was going on because of that, because we were right behind um, Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is a powerhouse outside of the United States. They're winning championships all over. And so that was a miracle that God was doing while I was there, Jeff, because we did that. And some of the players were screaming, hey, you know, to the, you know, the fans were like, hey, this is awesome. But the players, when they were being interviewed, were saying, listen, the interviewer was like, what's happening? How is this happening? And the guys would say, it's the God of Billy Thompson. Wow. So everybody knew I was a Christian. So when they started writing in the newspaper and things like that, it's the God of Billy Thompson. We're dealing with Jesus over in Jerusalem, where most of the Orthodox rabbis, they do not want any missionary work being done. Now they're starting to hear all this, not just Billy Thompson and Hapol winning, they're hearing Jesus Christ. 
and I'm signing my autographs. I love you and Yeshua loves you too, which is Jesus, amen, in Hebrew. And so they're starting to hear this the first year. And we go on and win the state championship and beat Maccabi Tel Aviv. It was it was just crazy. And so all of this is stared up. And then the next year we do the same thing. We beat Maccabi again. But in the middle of that year, I did a I was taking pictures for uh, a newspaper for an interview about all of what what's happening, the success of the team. And I felt as if I was being watched, like somebody's watching MLK to kill him, not mm. in a good way, but a bad way. Yeah. And so the next morning on the front page of the Jerusalem Post was we want Billy Thompson out of the country, off the team, out of the country. He's doing missionary work and all that. And it was crazy the next day. So I knew the Holy Spirit had showed me something was going on. Well, it turned out where that the mayor was a favorite, you know, he loved Hapol Yerushalayim. So he got the ultra Orthodox uh, rabbi who is a part of this group that anytime they feel people are doing missionary work, they get them out of the country and they never failed getting people out of the country. But the mayor got me on TV with him national and had him apologize to me for assuming and accusing me of that. And that was just one of the things that God did to bring a witness while I was over there in Jerusalem, man. So that's most of the story over there. That's a book. I mean, that last part of that, Jetty on here with me, she's looking at me the same way. Like, that is a book. I mean, I'm glad yeah. I asked you about that because I don't know that that's just something you would have said, but that's that's huge. So you saw God's favor. Clearly, you and Cynthia, when you make that decision after having two reach outs about other uh, basketball teams around there, you clearly saw that as either a deep dive discipleship thing or, hey, we always yeah. wanted to go to the Holy Land. Now, now they're paying us to go do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Come on, Jeff. I mean, it was just, it was God. It was like, we, we felt different when my agent said Jerusalem. And when I told her, we literally felt different. Yeah. It was like, man, let's go over there to the Holy Land. It was all about, you know, the Holy Land. It was all about God. It was all about our faith. It was all about the spiritual things. And let's go see what that's going to be like. Wow. And we went and did it. And, and we, we, we really were blessed by it, met a lot of good people. We have a lot of good Israeli friends, um arab christians that we met on on the arab side different things just a beautiful time that is cool right. so let me ask you this you've mentioned milt wagner a few times and for maybe some people who are a little bit on the younger side of things they remember that his son dewan was one of the most highly touted high school basketball players coming out from new jersey when he came out so um i i often say that i think people know us sometimes better than we know ourselves if we had milt wagner on here and said tell us about billy thompson what would Milt Wagner say about Billy Thompson? I don't know. He'd probably say BT is, um, you know, my boy, you know, my, my my man. And, you know, we're just like brothers. You know, he's my brother. He's a good man. He, You know, that's how Milt talks. He's not. Nah, he's a good man. He He's he's not Billy's straight shooter. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> my brother. That's my man. That's that's probably a reality show. I, to my knowledge, he, he I'm assuming he doesn't walk with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he does? He's a believer. Later, oh, cool. he became a believer. His wife's a strong believer. Really? One of the guys on my team that, you know, he came and followed the Lord, man. Yeah. So have you had a big impact on that? Yeah, and just his wife. Wow. Because he was in Memphis, coaching at Memphis State. He met her, beautiful woman of God. And um, oh, yeah, that was part of it. She was taking him to church, and he he believed. Wow, praise he God. He grew up with his mother, but he didn't go, go to church on his own and all, but he knew 
Yeah. Because his mother, yeah, mother brought him up in the Lord. Very cool. Well, before yeah. we get to some fun stuff and just some silly questions I like to ask. So you've got, am I reading this right? You got five kids, seven yeah. grandkids, and this can't yeah. be possible. You've got a great grandchild? Yeah, yeah. She, one of my, yes. Yeah, I need people to see you, Billy. You're a good looking dude. You, you mentioned movie stars earlier. That could be you. And how do you have a great grandchild? Kids, man, they do what they want to do when you give them different advice, yeah. right? Hey, don't wow. don't do that. You Wait. can't be that old. <laughs> so, it, what, tell me about the generation. I mean, you got four generations there. What what are you just loving that part of life right now? Yeah, I am. I am. It's a lot, right? Our kids, and then their kids, and then their kids' kids. So it's all about the the Abraham blessing, you know, from generation to generation to generation. And so we see that, and we're learning to um, how to do more family together and include everyone and and really minister to each other and just have a good time and do a lot of things together it's a lot of us more and more and i have two kids well three that are not even married so i have billy jr uh, he's 30 and um micaiah she's 24 and geneva is 40 so they're not even married yet okay and so I expect some more grandkids. There you go. <laughs> if you play this, how about you? How, how many you got? What's got up with you? 19, 17, 15, 13 year old kids. So okay. I'm, at, I'm at the the beginning of the teen and the end of the teen years. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's weird. Like watching that video of you last night, I can remember you playing basketball. And I'm like, Billy's not old enough to have even grandkids, is he? And yet alone a great grandchild. So are your kids and grandkids and great grandchild close to you in Florida? Are they spread out all over the country or? Yeah, they're here in Florida, so we get to see them right here in South Florida. Oh wow, that's got to be mm -hmm. like you said. That's got to be a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot yeah, of we're busy going to the games and all. A couple of them are playing basketball, tennis, um, soccer. Um, little EJ uh, just turned eight last weekend. Uh, he's loves soccer and basketball, so we get out and watch these guys, man. Cheer them on. Did you did you create some? Uh... Uh, and not that guys can't do this, but obviously we tend to think women as far as good cooks. Do you got some good cooks amongst all that crowd there? My daughter, Makai, is the baker. Okay. I mean, my wife is the queen of cooking. Yeah, Makai picked it up uh, with the baking, and she's moving into cooking now, some foods and all. So. Yeah, that's fun. I bet you guys can have some good meals there together. So, hey, speaking of food, we're going to jump into uh, what I like to call the rapid five. These are five questions, really short, sweet, to the point, that uh, have a little flavor and humor to them. So, Billy, when you were growing up, what was your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Captain Crunch was my favorite uh, cereal and then the healthy one my dad brought home one day was uh what was that i can't even think of that but captain crunch was the number one yeah. life, life life was the name of the cereal captain crunch yeah. gets that mikey answer. likes it yeah remember that commercial 100 oh, yeah, love mikey like i remember that big time <laughs> captain crunch gets the answer a lot and you know what's funny if i've had a bowl i don't recall it i must have tried to bite one time and didn't like it but a lot of people say captain yeah. crunch i haven't said it though but yeah yeah what is your favorite book you most like to gift to other people? You know, lately I've been telling people about Tom Horn. I'm in uh, eschatology. So for me, I really want people to really see what's going on. And Tom Horn, any of his books, um, his latest book is Zeitgeist 25. And that really, he really drills down and stuff. One before that was Exo Vanna Canada. These are deep books, big books, but, um, 
you can just have it and breeze through it and, and stay abreast of what's happening because I believe he's really, he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening globally. And it's from a Christian standpoint, I believe we need to know that more than anything sure. other, other than the Bible. Yeah. So you're probably not telling people to take that to the beach. That's probably not a beach read. That's no, probably take a, it to the beach. Yeah. It's probably go somewhere, <laughs> and, go somewhere and study for a couple of weeks, like in a monastery. So, um, <laughs> so Billy, you got your kids, you got your grandkids, you got your grand, great grandchild, and you guys are doing, let's say a little family trip and you're four or five hours away from home and somebody's got to stop and go to the bathroom. You obviously have a huge vehicle and you mm. don't want to make the stop 15 minutes later. And you see these three places because you've traveled the world. So I know you've been to all three and you see these, these places on the sign to pull over. You see McDonald's, you see Chick-fil-A and you see in and out. Where would team Thompson stop? You know, I, I go to LA. I always like that in and out, but overall, if I'm with the family and these kids, my grandkids, they love Chick-fil-A. So mm -hmm. it's straight to Chick-fil-A. I don't even have to ask. And what do you get there? What's your Chick-fil-A go-to order? You know, when I was young, um, eighth middle school out in Somerdale, New Jersey, I went back to Camden High in uh, my 10th grade year to play basketball. But my best friend in Somerdale, we would go to the YMCA after school, and then we would go to the mall right next to the Y, and we'd go to Chick-fil-A. And so the Chick-fil-A sandwich plain is my favorite. <laughs> and you obviously eat the three pickles or two pickles that are on there, right? I know, I know the three pickles, right? You know it. Yeah. Do you do the Chick Fil A so sauce? Soaked into the bread, right? It's soaked into That's the true. bread, and it's just. Uh. <laughs> you ready to go get one right now? Do you uh, do you get the Chick Fil A sauce, or do you do you do a different sauce? The Polynesian, yes, but yeah, that's a good one. So you got to pour a lot of that on there. Polynesian all the way. I'm growing to like the Chick Fil A sauce more. But yeah. if, if I'm getting a Chick-fil-A sauce on the, the sandwich, then the fries are getting yeah. a Polynesian. You got to get the Polynesian. Yeah. You got to dip those fries in something, baby. Billy, I felt <laughs> a great connection from you the moment we got on this call, but I feel much deeper, even bigger than the Louisville Cardinal connection. Yeah, because of Chick-fil-A. Polynesian sauce Polynesian. all the time. Polynesian. So what, whether you're with Cynthia and you're, you know, you got a free night or you're by yourself and maybe everybody left town and you get some time by yourself, what is a movie that if you stumbled across this movie – it would grab you every time. I mean, we love action movies, Cynthia and I. Um, thrillers, we love thrillers. One movie, my favorite, one of my favorite is Contact. It was an old alien movie. I like all that stuff. But the big thing is because of the the the, the wording, the very good wordplay, good, good knowledge and words, it's truthful, very believable. And it dealt with faith. She starts out as a scientist, you know, you got to show me to prove it. And at the end of the movie, um, she's telling everybody she saw something, but she can't prove it. And now she's entered into the realm of faith, which is where we live. Wow. Amen. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'll have to check it out. Matt. I, it feels vaguely familiar, but not, not totally. So you've got to have a great answer to this last one. So whether it's back in Camden area or whether it's at Louisville particularly, or you lived in LA and Miami, two very hip, culturally relevant places in our country. What is your favorite trendy clothing item that you really bought into at some point? Oh man. I, I think for me, I like to, um, the shoes now with no socks, I think that's kind of trendy for me. I don't know. I'm not lazy. I would put socks on, but it's kind of cool. So I roll with it. My wife's like pushing it. Come on, roll with it. She's always <laughs> trying to keep me up to date. There you go. And some of that stuff is out there. But she styles, man. She's she's sharp. Does she? 
Okay. Yeah, if your wife needs some tips, man, just I'll I'll set it up. My my wife would tell you I need some tips. So she would say if your wife can help me out, maybe she needs to yeah. bypass you to get to me. But my wife my wife's telling me all the time whether it's my and I just switched to a barber who just won an award in our community. Uh-huh. She's she's needing all kinds of help with me. So do you do you wear hey dudes? Since you're uh, no sock guy, do you have you bought into hey dudes at all? No, what is what are they? They're kind what of is? a slip on. They're I think they're the biggest shoe now sold on Amazon, but they're they're kind oh. of the uh, older guys' cool shoe. It's the only thing I've got oh. that's remotely styling. Oh, okay. I mean, no, my wife's trying to keep me stylish with Louis Vuitton loafers, stuff like that, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's a little high price, but you like it, okay. So we're gonna so. talk offline. If, if I'm gonna send you a link to Hey Dudes, if you end up liking them, we had a previous guest, Bob Smiley, who's a comedian, who had heard about Hey Dudes. He was kind of intrigued by them, but he joked mm-hmm. on the podcast and said, "Well, why don't you buy me a pair?" I bought him a pair and sent him to him in Texas. So you look at Hey yeah, Dudes. Baby. If you end up liking them, you tell me which pair you want. You're probably not a size 11 like me. You're probably a little bit bigger I'm a than 16. That. Wow. 16. I don't know if they make 16s, <laughs> but I'm going to send you a link. You tell me if you like Hey Dudes, and I will order to you your first pair. Man, that's a deal. Appreciate it. We Thank will talk you. about that. So tell me this. I'm curious with a guy like you who's pastoring now, you know, your role is primarily amongst other things, at least professionally, is pastor. What is a week or a year, either way? Tell me maybe both. What does that look like in your life, Billy? I mean, it's praying, uh, meditating on the word of God most of the day, you know, set aside time just praying and studying the word, preparing for sermons, just staff meetings, working with the church here. And um, and then mixing doing this and and witnessing. I like to witness. I like to go out and speak. I like to um, go out on the streets. Still, that's one thing I always did when I rededicated my life. I, I started witnessing evangelists. You know, I told the Lord when I rededicated my life that I'm gonna play ball. You know, get an education and take your love around the world. So, I mean, that's what you'll get from me. You'll get Jesus twenty four seven. I'll talk about the things in the in the earth, but um, the things about God and heaven that matter at the end of this life. Um, I'm always trying to see where the Holy Spirit is leading me to minister to whosoever, and I really love doing that, man. Twenty four seven. That's me, Jeff. Do you get? Uh, you know, I think like Mark one thirty five about very early in the morning, Jesus went off and went to a solitary place to pray. Uh, we just had a big retreat with with some guys here, and we went over to Indiana. And our speaker was the number two guy for athletes in action, and he talked about you know, your relationship with God being like your marriage. Like you try to have this little constant communion th- communication throughout the day with your wife. Um, you do like a date night once a week, and then once every few mm-hmm. months or once a year, you do a longer period of time. How does how do you get Billy a longer period of time? Just you and the Lord. What does that look like? I mean, that looks like taking a few days off, getting away, hotel out of the city or in staycation local, but just away from everyone, everything. Um, Often now my wife and I do it together and we'd go in the room and just pull the books out and start Mm. going through it, man, praying and just hearing God and seeing, seeing what God is saying and just searching the scriptures, man. Amen. That's good. Yeah, we do it together. That's great. I love, I love her. You know, a guy that I've gotten to be friends with that I'm sure you know that I'm just, <laughs> as we're talking, I'm thinking, I bet you guys would clearly gel and hit it off as Clark Kellogg. Yeah, yeah. I did an FCA with him um, several years ago. Yeah. Uh, he was hosting, but I was one of the guests. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. yeah Loves he, the Lord, man. Oh, man. He, 
Yeah, we, we text each other quite a bit. We'll have, you know, semi-regular phone calls and stuff. And he's spoken at our breakfast twice. And I keep telling Dennis and Bob, I'm like, you got to get Clark Kellogg down here to speak at one of your breakfasts. So, yeah, yeah. So you, right. you mentioned in the text to me, you want to talk a little bit about societal ills. So talk about societal ills. And what are, what are you know, you can't take on everything our culture's dealing with as a man of God, as a church, as a pastor. But clearly you can really take hold of, you know, a couple things or whatever. What are the societal ills that most have you concerned and you're like, I and the church need to make a difference here? I think just scripturally, when we look at scripture, the Bible says out of the mouth of Jesus himself saying that in the last days, you know, you'll see men lovers of self and hearts grow cold and fear for what's coming on the earth, along with it'd be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you look at that in the Bible and you look at history and you see what it was like in Sodom and Gomorrah and the days of Noah, you start to see the same things, very similar things happening now with the, you know, gay agenda. You see divisiveness in the parties, Democrat, Republican. You see fear as far as COVID, the plagues, the different things that we've had recently. You see this in society. You see wars. We see what's happening in Russia. It's just trying to be mindful that what we see in society that goes against the Bible, be aware of it. Know that that is the enemy letting us know that he is alive and real and present on planet Earth. And to up your game, up your faith, up your house, securing your house, securing um, your heart, which is your house, your heart, your belief, your faith, because of the times that we're in. We see so much de- deception, I mean, on television and in our schools. Imagine your little daughter going to school, your little son, and having to deal with two boys kissing or hugging, you know, or two girls. That's it's just sad. Because of that, I see a lot of um Christian schools that are really on the surge because we're pulling our kids out of these public schools because they're in this environment. And it's an environment that very similar to Lot. When he went there, it just grew into that and he was righteous and his family and you know the story. And so I just I just look at that because I understand how we have to be biblically centered and we can't just go off of our feelings. We can't just try and mix and everything's going to be all right. And, you know, we have to still see what it is. There's not going to be um, this great come to Jesus moment for the world. The Bible says that there's a great falling away from the church itself, let alone people in the world coming to Christ at these times. There will be people being saved and people are getting saved. We're still winning souls, but there's still going to be a greater darkness that's coming. And I like to deal with reality, um, but I face the reality with faith, knowing that this is the way God has laid it out. We're going to play our part, which is to win souls and tell the truth and stand up for the truth and not cower to the pressures Mm -hmm. of, you know, the um, cancel society, right? That we're going to cancel you if you say anything that goes against what we believe. Um, we still have to be able to say that and take the persecution that comes with it. And, you know, I'm seeing more pastors talk about mm-hmm. these issues and talk about end times more than I ever have. Um, so I'll, I'll stop. We, I can go no, on. That's on good. On. That's really good. Let's go with 30 to 45 second uh, close here on this question. You're talking right now to that recent high school grad from Canman, New Jersey, Billy Thompson. What do you tell him 40 years later? What are you speaking to the young Billy Thompson before he heads off to Louisville, Kentucky? 
I tell him one day you're going to be on a show with Jeff and <laughs> Pinkleton, and it's going to be a great show. And he's a great guy, and he's he's cool. And get ready for it. But no, I'd say, you know, definitely listen to your father and mother more, your coaches, and ask questions about, you know, people and things so that you can really know um, what you're a part of. Whatever you're a part of, really do, do a deep dive and find out all the things that surround what you're involved in, your team, your your teammates, um, your, your co-workers, um, the business you're in. And and really, um, that that would be the big thing. Really, relationships. Really, take time to really know the people around you in a deeper level. And then, of course, faith. Know that you know. Don't wait. You know, give your life to the Lord and really be a part of church. Not just show up, but volunteer, work in the church, be a leader in the church, um, support the pastor, support the community, um, give back into the community through the eyes of Christ, through the Spirit of Christ. Um, so that would be my thing. Wow. So if people want to know more about you, they clearly can go to YouTube and type in Golden State, Miami Heat, Billy Thompson, and see some highlights. But how else could they find out what's going on in your world, Billy? They can follow me on Instagram and they can go to Facebook page, Billy Thompson. Um, JesusPeopleProclaim.org is our church. Um, Billy Thompson Foundation um, is another site. They can just go on and check me out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us, Billy. It's been a treat. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, Dennis. And uh, I think Dennis was the one who made the connection. And then obviously you, yeah. you and I both have a long history with Bob. And uh, you do have a great countenance and joy and a, a gentleness that just exudes. I can see it through Zoom very well. And uh, really appreciate having you on here, Billy. And hopefully we get to do something like this again in the not-so-distant future. Thank you, Jeff. And I, I pray, I'm going to be praying for you and your show that it continues to touch the lives of men like never before, bringing men to give their lives to the Lord. And I just pray that God uses you and your wife as examples of a marriage that mm. that is geared towards loving the Lord. Amen. And really see that blossom for you and your wife. I need that word. I receive that word. Thanks, Billy. Got it, man. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.